Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Tuesday, May 2nd starts now. On today's show, Ben welcomes back great friend of the show and great legal mind, Adolfo Mondragon. The Ben Jarofsky Show brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what Ben Jarofsky's up to, what he's writing about, a whole bunch of really cool stuff. You don't want to miss it. It's all over there at ChicagoReader.com. And find more from Ben by going to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Laurie Speaks Tuesday, and here's why. Because it's Tuesday, and Laurie spoke. Laurie in question, of course, Mayor Laurie Lightfoot, uh, who's kind of like been like a monk uh, since uh, she was defeated in the first go-around in February, uh, running for re-election. She finished, what, third, I want to say? Was it third? Yes, uh, in the race, did not make the runoff. Uh, and as we all know, Paul Vallis versus Brandon Johnson. We're in the runoff. Brandon Johnson won. Okay. Uh, you all knew that. I don't know why I said that. Uh, and um, so she hasn't been talking uh, to reporters uh, since then. Uh, she's been kind of like in this self-imposed silence. Uh, some reporters are a little irritated about it. Uh, good friend Greg Pratt has noted it many times uh, in the um, in his tweets a Chicago Tribune Ace reporter, Greg Pratt, noting that uh, Lori Lightfoot has not sat down for like an exit interview uh, with reporters uh, since she lost the February election. And he noted that uh, Mayor Rahm sat down for exit interviews when he did. Uh, I tend to be more benevolent in my attitude about Lori Lightfoot uh, and why she's not sitting down with reporters. And that's because I come from a long line of people who hold grudges. My family is known to hold a grudge for like <laughs> centuries. There's still people in my family who are mad about something that happened in like back in Russia in the 19th century. I exaggerate, uh, but you get the idea. This one won't talk to that one. That one won't talk to this. I understand the whole thing about holding grudges and Lori Lightfoot's estimation. She was not treated fairly or respectfully uh, by the press corps of Chicago. She lost. She's like, I'm not talking to you. I don't blame her. I'm telling you right now. Being the mayor of the city of Chicago does not obligate her to talk to any reporter anywhere. I am not offended that she doesn't talk to reporters, and I don't care that she hasn't, like, called me personally. Ben, can I come on your podcast to explain why I did what I did and why I did? No, not offended in any way. And by the way, if this is about Mayor Rahm. Don't act like Mayor Rahm was all Mr. Oh, I love all reporters. Well, come on in and we'll talk. Mayor Rahm, like, he were he picked and chose the reporters he wanted to talk to. So if you're mainstream press, come on in. <laughs> Even right-wing press, come on in. If you were a lefty, get out of here. I know, like, uh, for many years, Mick Dumpkin and I were partners in crime uh, at the, at the our beloved uh, reader newspaper. Uh, and Mick was like, I always joke that uh, it was like working with Mick – was being like in that TV show, Everybody Loves Raymond. Everybody loves Mick. And so it was like a good cop, bad cop thing. Like, they'd be like, how could you deal with that freaking lunatic, Ben? And Mick becomes, I don't know. He's not so bad. <laughs> they love Mick. Give me a hug, you man. But even Mick couldn't get an interview with Brown. <laughs> he didn't talk to lefties. Like, I got one interview with the man before he was running. It, he, they told me up in front it was going to be five minutes long, and I had to clear my questions with them. And then they told me what questions I couldn't ask. So don't act like Mayor Rahm was Mr. Benevolent when it came to the press. See, but this is what really, like, irks me. 
when it comes to this city's attitude towards its mayors. My distinguished guest, Adolfo Mondragon, is going to be put in the hot seat. I'm going to force him to make a judgment as who's the best mayor of this 21st century. He's sitting there with sweat trickling down his chin because he doesn't want to. <laughs> he doesn't want to have to take that stand. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to tell you something. You want to hear the Adolf, the real Adolfo Mondragon? Come to a White Sox game with us and sit behind us. Man, <laughs> that's the unfiltered El Dragon. But seriously, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there is such a double standard when it comes uh, to uh, mayors in the city of Chicago. Particularly, let's just deal with the 20th, 21st century, okay? Let's not go back. I'm going to deal with the 20th. From 2000 on. So even you millennials could be part of this conversation, all right? Because you were around 2000. All right, maybe you were about 10 years old. I was just 10, Ben. I wasn't paying attention. But there's just a incredible double standard. And I'm going to read a quote. Uh, Lori Lightfoot gave an interview. She finally just consented to give an interview with uh, Craig Wall of ABC. Uh, I guess she gave one to Shia Kapos as well. Uh, but uh, this, this Sun-Times article uh, where uh, Lori speaks uh, quotes from, I believe, the Craig Wall interview that she gave. So shout outs to Craig Wall, uh, ABC TV reporter. She goes, and I'm quoting, look, I am a black queer woman. I have always known my entire adult life. There is a different set of rules and standards by which I'm going to be judged. This is not a surprise. And the obsession with is she nice? Is she not nice? Following daily and Rahm Emanuel is frankly laughable. But I'm a firm believer that you've got to play the cards you are dealt, and that's what I did. Okay, first of all, I agree wholeheartedly uh, with what she said, except to the last part. <laughs> it's not like you just said, oh, my God, those are the cards I was dealt with, Lori, Life, but come on, let's be honest. You're irritated that there's a double standard. It bothers you that there's a double standard. And you're showing that irritation by the fact that you're not giving these farewell interviews. I don't blame you for being upset and irritated. It is a double standard. And when you're exposed to a double standard, it's frustrating and you get upset and you hold a grudge. But what I don't like, it's just like in general, it's like this notion that you cannot publicly show the feelings you have because somehow or other you're supposed to be above that. I talked about that with Greg Pratt when he was on the show uh, a little while ago and I talked about it with Mick Dumkey. Chicago mayors are always abusive and mean and nasty to reporters, and it's expected that reporters are, not, are to be above it all and just put up with it. Just have this like abusive relation with this person in power and show no consequence for it. That's ridiculous and absurd. Nobody does that in life. Like if someone is a jerk to you, you they, there has to be a consequence. You, you don't put up with that. I mean, I suppose you have to in some cases, like if you really depend on the job and you have an abusive boss. But even on that end, we're kind of moving, I hope, away from that model. So I don't blame Lori Lightfoot for ha having a grudge because there is a double standard. Rom and Daly were free to be the bigs, the world's biggest jerks, to intimidate, to be bullies, to be arrogant, to be autocratic. Just a yeah, daily was always yelling at people. <laughs> this guy would come and start yelling. We all red in the face. Mayor Daly threatened to stick a rifle up McDumkey's butt and shoot him. How is that like acceptable behavior in the city of Chicago? Can you imagine if Lori Lightfoot did that to I don't know any reporter? So I don't blame her. There is a double standard, and there will always be a double standard in the city of Chicago, and do people, like, look at, in, look at themselves? And I, I, I really believe I'm talking to my, uh, my white brothers and sisters on this one. You kind of got to look in yourself a little bit. Anytime I ever tell a white person that, you know, you have a different reaction to Lori than you did to Rom, they get all mad at me. How dare you? They voted for Obama. <laughs> You'd all think they were like paragons of fairness and justice and open-mindedness instead of just being what they are, human beings with their fears and their prejudices and their bigotries that they mostly try to conceal. Unless they're MAGA, then they just put them out in full force. Hey, look at me. I'm not afraid to be a total jerk and a racist. That's just political correctness. So, yeah, there is a double standard. 
Uh, Lori Lightfoot paid for that double standard. There is no compelling reason in my mind at all why like front liberals turned against her. She did absolutely. She ruled really just like Rom did in his last four years. Essentially, the rich got richer and, <laughs> and the poor were kindly asked to leave Chicago. That's essentially planning in the city of Chicago since my distinguished guest, Adolfo, was a scholar at Curie High School. How about that? I remembered your high school, Adolfo. Probably before that, when you were a young scholar, whatever grammar school you went to in back of the yards. So I don't blame you, Lori Lightfoot, for being upset. I do feel you got a raw deal. I say this as a lefty who wouldn't have voted for you for re-election because you were way too centrist for my taste. But at least I've like I got a consistent ideological reason for the opposition. You like front liberals who voted for Paul Vallis. What is your reason? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> you can't even articulate one. Like, oh, crime. You're gonna say crime like there was no crime with Daly? Okay. I never saw you hold Daly accountable for crime. Oh, she was mean. Oh, like Daly wasn't mean. I never hold, heard you hold Daly. You know what people used to like for liberals used to tell me then the age of Daly. Then if you ever got to know rich, they called him rich. If you ever got to know rich, you'd realize how intelligent he is. He's really a smart man. I'm like, well, he has a great way of concealing it. No, Ben. The books he's read is unbelievable. If you sit down with Rich Daly, it'll blow your mind. The stuff you tell yourselves, people, and you believe it, and then you get make fun of MAGA in Michigan? <laughs> You're no better. I hate to say it. Lakefront liberals. <laughs> You're no better. So, Lori Lightfoot, yeah, you got a raw deal from Lakefront liberals, but that still doesn't excuse you from the unforced error of unnecessarily antagonizing Willie Wilson, which is the real reason you did not make it to the runoff. If you had just taken his phone calls and put him on a board and just said, doctor, call him doctor. If you had just done that, little sense. You would not have antagonized him. He would have supported you for re-election, and you would be in the runoff against Paul Vallis, and even Adolfo would have had to vote for you against Paul. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Would he have voted for her? I know I would have. I would have voted for Lori Lightfoot over Paul Vallis. So you, in one sense, yes, lakefront liberals were worthless, and they buckled, <laughs> and you were the unfair uh, you were unfairly treated, and there was a double standard. On the other hand, I don't know, man. That Willie Wilson decision really, really was unnecessary. All right, without further ado, he's been patiently waiting. Adolfo Mondragon, I know he has response for me, the distinguished attorney <laughs> from the southwest side of Chicago, dear friend of mine and of my show. Welcome back, Adolfo. Thanks, Benny. It's been a long time. <laughs> yes, it's been a long time indeed. Uh, and so uh, you heard my riff. This is always yeah. on my mind. Uh, well, let me tell you, you something about uh, Willie, the whole Willie Wilson thing. I mean, you know, Lightfoot is an astute Machiavellian. And I believe, I don't remember all the 48 rules of power, but one of them is that you take your defeated enemy and then you make him your loyal subject dog. And that's what she should have done in the in, in in but not say like you're my by giving him like you said a boardship, an honorary title. Should you know call them uh, by doctor whatever. Just would have kissed his ass a little bit, made him feel good. And he, you know what, Willie Wilson would have been the fucking most loyal, motherfucking Lori Lightfoot advocate of all time. So that was like the biggest blunder right off the beginning, you know, right at the start. So it didn't bode well for her from there. But I mean, for someone who is very well educated, very astute, uh, practiced at a big law firm where it's cutthroat politics all the way around, especially for a black queer woman, short as well. You know, I mean, like and she was she was a she was a prosecutor. It's cutthroat in the, in, the, in the government offices as well. I have no idea how she missed that one. I, you know what? She probably never saw The Godfather. That's what happened. Wow. Wait a minute. A Godfather, Godfather reference. Well, Godfather teaches you everything you ever need to know about Machiavellian politics, right? Yeah, I'm Keep trying to. friends close and your enemies closer. I mean, like it tells it teaches you everything about how to. How to succeed, right? Yeah, I uh, I'm trying to think of anything that parallels uh, in the Godfather. I've seen both Godfather movies. 
many, many times. Uh, well, I haven't seen the, the th I only saw Godfather 3 once. I know, and you've chided me for that. You said I should have watched it. You said I, I don't give it enough love that it, it, that it deserves more of the love that I get. It, it does deserve more. Not the recut, not the recut, but the original. Yeah. The original. All right, so let's just stick to one and two for the moment. I can't think of a parallel scene uh, in Godfather 1 or 2 to uh, Willie well, Wilson. Well, kind of, if you think about it, I mean, look, Michael effed up with, with his brother. His brother would have never betrayed him in part two had he been nicer to him, had he been put him in in little situations of, like, instead of making him the, the, the errand boy, like he said, you know, I'm your older brother. I was passed up. If he would have treated him a little bit more special, his brother would have never betrayed him. You know, so maybe that, that. that's a that's a great point. I sit corrected. Uh, uh, Fredo. Yes. yes uh, and, and then he and then his wounded uh, pride uh, motivates him uh, to. I feel like I'm giving away the movie, but I can't imagine there's anybody listening to this who hasn't seen I mean, it. It's 47 years old. You're not giving away <laughs> any uh, anything here, Ben. Ben, don't tell me what happens. Okay. Uh, and the other parallel I see uh, locally before um, we move on to get to the Lakefront Liberals uh, is how Rom treated Ed Burke. Well, let's just think we're going to get to Burke ah. further deep dive. But Rom, uh, Ed Burke ran, supported Gary Chico in 2011 when Rom ran for his first time. Uh, Ed Burke was allegedly behind the um, the effort to kick Rom off the ballot. Uh, for not right. living in Chicago. Uh, and uh, Ed Burke made it clear that he was vehemently opposed to Rom being mayor. Now, Rom has this reputation as a godfather type. Remember with the dead fish, right. you know, the whole thing. I'm a godfather. Right. <laughs> he didn't play around with Ed Burke. No. He hugged him. He hugged him. Yep. You want to be finance chair, Ed Burke? Go ahead, be finance chair. And then Ed right. Burke was a loyal factotum. So yeah, and so and so Rom Rom messed up there because he showed the one or two things. If he was gonna play the I just vanquished you, Burke, but I'm gonna make you my ally, he should have gone all the way and I just said, Well, I'll let you kind of live and but I'm really not gonna rely on you for anything or make you feel special. And that's where he fucked up. Because if you're gonna go that way, you gotta go the whole way. You gotta say, okay, Ed, you keep your finance committee, lay low or whatever, but I'm gonna make you feel special. You're not gonna be you're not gonna have any trouble from me. And then Burke would have been his biggest ally. What I think he should have actually done, he should have gone the other way with the other uh, Godfather move is once he vanquished Burke, he should have said, okay, I'm taking you off the finance committee completely. I'm taking that away from you, and he didn't do that. He was too chicken shit to go either way. And so since he went lukewarm, he just fucked up. He let Burke stay there. Yeah, he let him stay there. He hugged him. And yeah. uh, he allowed Burke to continue to be the chair of the finance committee and run a run a, run a property tax appeal business. Uh, Ed Burke uh, was able to represent Donald Trump uh, in his property tax <laughs> dealings with the Cook County uh, Assessor's Office. He he represented him in his appeals, lowering the assessment uh, and thus lowering the tax bill and raising our tax bill. He allowed that to continue, right. uh, Rahm Emanuel did. And it blatant conflict of interest. He just looked the other way. And, uh, you know, he was probably afraid that uh, if he upset Ed Burke, that Ed Burke, even if he was relatively powerless, would just cause him the kind of trouble that Anthony Beale and Raymond Lopez caused for Lori Lightfoot uh, in this mm -hmm. council where they were constantly appealing their her, to her rulings and raising parliamentary issues, which is like minor petty stuff, really, in the total scheme of things, Adolfo. So there really is no right. compelling reason why he did it other than to quote you, he's chicken shit. Uh, yeah, because what he should have done was, so, like I said, either he should have just vanquished him once and for all, you know, taking advantage of his power, coming in and just said, I'm just going to make you an ordinary alderman all of a sudden. You're not going to have any committee memberships. You're not going to have the finance. Or if he wanted to appease him and make him his ally, he did it the wrong way. What did he do? He split his power, right? He took half of the finance uh, power from him. He appointed another alderman. What was his name? The uh, the other Irish guy, O'Connor or Quinn? O'Connor, Patrick O'Connor. Yeah. Remember, he split the power of the finance committee and he gave half of it to O'Connor to put Burke in check. But no, if you're going to make him your ally, then you just let him be. You let him keep the finance committee. And then Burke will just focus on whatever he's doing with his finance committee and he won't focus on you. Yeah. But instead, he, he was lukewarm and said, well, I'm going to punish him and take away half his power, but I'm going to keep him around, you know.
Well, your your your, your memory is a little distorted. It wasn't the finance committee that he gave to. He O'Connor was his uh, floor leader, uh, so in a sense, he gave O'Connor more authority. Uh, in the old days, like Tom Keene, when he ran the finance committee, he would also be the floor leader. So we kind of divided. Oh, I see. Right. right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but no, Burke had to be. Burke was the man in terms of every contract that went through that finance committee. Right. Uh, every TIF deal that went through that contract uh, finance committee. Uh, every budget went through that finance committee. Uh, all right. So, um, so uh, we'll we'll hold off on like front liberals for a moment. We're talking Ed Burke. Uh-huh. Uh, Adolfo knows a thing or two about Ed Burke. Adolfo, Adolfo's from the southwest side of Chicago. Uh, worked briefly for Ed Burke, so he knows a thing or two about the man. Um, Ed Burke uh, left office. Uh, his last day was, I mean, his last city council meeting was a couple weeks ago. Uh, he, of course, is under indictment uh, for uh, using his power as finance committee chair's authority in the city council to force, to compel people doing business with the city to hire his property tax appeal business. Uh, an indictment, by the way, he, Rob would have done Burke a favor if he just said, you know what, you could be finance chair, but you got to give up the property tax business. One or the other. Yeah, yeah he would have done him a favor. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, so he's uh, under federal indictment. And of course, he has the legacy that precedes uh, Adolfo, where he uh, led. He was Trump before Trump, leading uh, the anti-Harold Washington faction of white aldermen uh, in revolt against Harold, trying to sabotage the Harold Washington administration in order to stir up the voters uh, to defeat him. Uh, arguably the biggest racist uh, in, this, in the history of the city council. You can make that argument. All right. Uh, so the last person in the world I think would warrant a standing ovation on his last day of the city council is Ed Burke. He received a standing ovation. Um, it's been explained to me. <laughs> I know it's so absurd. It's been explained to me uh, by Mick Dunkey. You can listen to that interview that they were just so appreciative. The aldermen were uh, how Ed Burke treated them like he would give them briefings and explain things, show them where the copy machine was. <laughs> I have a cup of coffee. They just forget the racism stuff. You gave me a cup of coffee. <laughs> Chicago, Chicago never asks for too much. You know, they'll they'll vote for an alderman for years if the guy gives them one garbage can. So why should alderman give it? <laughs> uh, in your opinion, having surveyed uh, the, the life and times of Ed Burke, did he warrant a standing ovation uh, in the Chicago City Council, Adolfo Mondragon? No, I think particularly after the indictment. I mean, if there, there was argument before that that where you might say, like, well, maybe. I mean, after the indictment, uh, there was absolutely no reason to give him a standing ovation. They should have just let it him walk away in complete silence. He was already not doing much in the council anyway. And so why 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 grant him something that is reserved only to like people who are like top shelf, you know, like who are who don't have baggage, right? I mean, yeah, I think it's just um, you know, these councilmen, they're like high school kids. They love to pat each other on the back and you know, like they're a little club and we're special, you know, we wear a little button and shit and blah, blah, blah. So, you know. They may they may disagree with each other and whatever, but then they're hugging and kissing and shit on the side. I remember I used to see Danny Solis and Chewy and all of them hug and kiss and shit. But supposedly they were fighting over the high school from Little Village and the Pilsen and whatever, and they had ideological differences. But then at the end of the day, they were fucking sipping back beers and like you know hugging and kissing and all that other shit. Rick Munoz would be with Danny and they'd be like slapping each other in the ass and whatever, you know. I'm exaggerating, right? But I mean, the point is that all of these people are like high school kids. They think they're fucking special because they're part of this little club. And so they were like, yeah, let's give this, you know. Plus, not only that, I think, personally, I think that most of those people on that council probably were scared shitless of Burke, you know? I think that his his history and the kind of strong-willed man that he is, probably his presence and all this other stuff— probably scared the shit out of him they were like probably like oh we don't want to mess with that guy anyway so we might as well just you know give him this standing no or whatever but no i don't think it was warranted i I, I can't blame him i was scared of burke Uh, i'm gonna let the cat out of the bag with this one Uh, occasionally i picked up adolfo when he was working at burke's office driving the radio station and i'm like don't tell him i'm out front okay (laughs) i was scared of the guy Uh, (laughs) don't tell him i'm here uh all right uh 
you mentioned the name, and I'm going to uh, throw this question at you. You mentioned Danny Solis, former Alderman of the 25th Ward, years and years and years, a daily loyalist, a ROM loyalist. Uh, for his loyalty, he was put in charge of the zoning committee uh, for about the last four years of his uh, tenure as a, uh, as an alderman, he was wearing a wire for the feds. And he was gathering information on Ed Burke and Michael Joseph Madigan, uh, information that would prove helpful uh, to the feds uh, in their indictment of Burke uh, and the case they're building against Madigan uh, as well. Uh, it, when the word leaked that Danny Solis was wearing a wire, uh, Intrepid reporters went around the city council and asked the aldermen for their response. And they essentially <laughs> said, things like, what a rat, what a, what a rat bastard. He was one of us. <laughs> so I don't get it. Let me understand this. The man who stuck his neck out to expose the corruption of Chicago government is treated like as a, a rat. The guy who was the corrupt dude is given a standing <laughs> ovation. And that, we're not even talking about the racist stuff in the 80s. I would argue that's worse than the corruption. But let's put that aside, okay, for the moment, the racist <laughs> stuff in the 80s. You remember that, Chicago? Well, we don't want to remember. Uh, so in your opinion, who is more deserving of a standing ovation from the city council, Ed Burke or Danny Solis? Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean... It's not like Danny was a fucking saint either. He was horrible, but uh, no, I would give it either. It's not a one or the other, man. I, I would, I wouldn't give either of them. I mean, they're both fucking. I mean, Danny, Danny, what? I mean, I get it. Like they, they were all mad because he ratted them out. What they should have been mad about was the fact that they let him, they allowed his ass to be a corrupt ass fucking chairman. That's what they should have been mad at, not, not because he betrayed us, betrayed our little circle. <laughs> You know, yeah, no, I just you're so yeah. Neither that's a good answer. Neither of them, Ben. Neither of them. Uh, but if you had to choose, uh, no, if I had to choose, no, no, I know. I I'm not giving either one a standing ovation. But I would argue. Let me pose this question to you: Did did anyone in the in in this century deserve a standing no? Wow, great question. Whoa, let me think about that. That is a, whether an alderman or or city clerk or anything in that council. Wow, damn. Great. That's like a curveball at the host. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for it. Uh wait, let me think about this before I just uh I believe the five aldermen who voted no on the parking meter deal deserve a standing ovation. Ah. That's okay. fucking good, man. Yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. they deserve a standing O because they stood up to the lemming-like approach that most aldermen have to uh, what mayor in that terms daily. I'm trying to think in the Olympics. No, not one person uh, stood up to daily in the Olympics. Scott Wagesback thought about it, uh, and then as he tells the story, I think you were there when he told the story. At the right, Miami right. Place. He got he got some sage advice about Mel. <laughs> right, they'll kill you if you. <laughs> Uh, so nobody deserves it for that. Uh, the other, I, this is on my mind. The other atrocity of, of financial atrocity, and uh, was of course the Amazon deal, which ne- fell through. Where the city, yeah, was or the possible. closing of the schools. How many uh, opposed the closing of the schools? Well, that's okay. So that gets tricky because that that was technically not a um, act of the Chicago City Council. Uh, that was uh, an act of the Chicago Board of Education. Uh, and um, most of them got to play lip service on that one. So I really, I think that's a wash. You know, nobody like really forced the issue. Nobody used right. his or her power to like put pressure on Rom. Uh, you know, they said what they had to say. You know how they say one thing in front of one audience and another thing in front of an right, audience right, for that right. old game? So, uh, right. But I would say the uh, nobody stood up. I'm thinking nobody stood up on the Amazon. Remember Amazon? They were going to break this. We're going to get into this. Uh, <laughs> 50,000 people to the city of Chicago for a corporate office. Remember that? Remember that? Right, deal? right, right. Rahm right, was right. going to spend untold billions of dollars. They weren't going to, they didn't tell us how much it was going to be. They didn't tell it where it was going to be. Right, it was like, shut right. up and applaud. Nobody right. stood up to that. So, yeah, because we were competing against. They uh, eventually went uh, outside of Washington D.C. Right? We lost to um, whatever that little rich suburb is in uh, outside of D.C. Right? I think. Well, actually, we lost uh, originally to New York and Washington. AOC. Oh uh, right, right. Stood up and said, "Oh, that's right." She said, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> like, wow, this is rare. A, wow, a, a freshman congresswoman. 
was able to do more than fucking Rom and all of his experience in politics, man. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why Damn. I don't want uh, anything resembling AOC in the city of Chicago. Oh, yeah. So Amazon oh, went imagine? To, yes. So Amazon went to suburban Virginia, and they keep cutting the size of the pro uh, of it. I follow it from afar. Wow. Uh, because nobody's building co- – Adolfo, who's building <laughs> commercial real estate? Who's building corporate headquarters anymore? The dick no, no. Do you work at home or do you work at the office? That's right. You know? Yeah. So I mean, uh, see, we almost we almost got also that Elon Musk stupid uh, tunnels under the city to go to the fucking airport. Nobody, you know. Thank God we either. dodged that bullet too. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I I'm I'm I don't each their individual aldermen had individual moments where they did like this is gonna sound weird. Uh, <laughs> Bob Fioretti passed on to me some TIFF documents that I had never seen before. So I had given him a standing ovation, but it was pure <laughs> self-interest. So, Bob, I always remember you for that. Thank you. Uh, and um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, far and few between. Yeah, Danny Salute. No, but I agree. Right, that yeah. was a good answer. That was a good answer. The the, yeah. the five was stood up, right? Yeah, the five was stood up uh, on um, the parking meter deal, right. and I deserve a standing ovation. Uh, all right. Um, so, like front liberals, I've been ranting and railing about them. I do not understand them. Help me. You went to college with a lot of them, so you know the group better than I do. I would argue. Um, <laughs> Why it turned on Lori? Like why? I don't understand. What did she do that would so upset them that they would go to Vallis? Please explain this to me, Adolfo. Yeah, that's tough because they did love her. I mean, like you know, I think they loved her for the same reason they loved Barack Obama. You know, she was different. She was black. She was short. She was queer. She was educated. They were like, oh, what's not to love this woman? It makes our bleeding hearts feel so warm. So delicious, you know, and so that's why they loved her. But why would they leave her? I think because maybe, maybe one of their like within six degrees of separation from them had a bad experience. Maybe somebody got carjacked. Like, did you know that Liz's son's brother, who was walking over there by Lincoln Park one night, had somebody pull a gun on him, and then they bought into the whole like the city's going to hell in a handbasket and they were like she couldn't keep us safe we tried she couldn't keep us safe wow that's that's my that's my theory yeah that's a pretty good theory uh uh, and to prove your point i'm gonna read you this uh lori life in her goodbye uh interviews said one of the things up against her was the 24 hour news cycle and the sensationalization of every issue didn't help that the fact that we made progress meaningful progress in homicide shooting and carjackings over the course of the last year now most residents of the city don't know it because there was there wasn't something that the media reported okay so that's what she said and i'm reading that Mm -hmm. so that i I continue. I read my sometimes the old fashioned way a newspaper. So it's like a chapter. In the book. <laughs> so I turn the page. I'm going on. And there's this other article about uh, the uh, uh, next top cop and uh, and how important is public safety is uh, in the city of Chicago. And they talk about in the um, uh, in this article about the black eye that Chicago got. Here we go. Uh, uh, his tenure, they're talking about this, his tenure as interim superintendent could be a trial run for the permanent job, especially if Chicago makes it through the summer without a surge of violent crime or a repeat of the mayhem last month that gave Chicago a black eye around the world. And he's talking about uh, the mayhem in the loop uh, right. when black kids uh, were running around through the loop, jumping on the cars, a black eye around the world. That's my point. I'm like, Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. A black guy around the world, though. There's a lot of crazy things going around. I would not list what happened in the loop on the top yeah. 100 yeah. things of bad things that happened that weekend. You're talking about a war in Ukraine, Adolfo. Do you follow me? I mean, like, <laughs> a black guy around the world. So you get my point. It's like. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, so I think that that's what happened. Plus, like you, we keep saying, you and I, that she did herself no fucking favors, man. Talk about somebody who was fucking inept at reading the room, man. Shit. I mean, for all her fucking smarts and shit, she just fucking lacked common sense, man. I mean, yeah. just basic fucking one-on-one, like, you know, uh, 
politics and shit. She just didn't read the fucking room right, man. It's just, I mean, like you said, she she could have easily fucking won this election. Easily. Wiped everybody's ass, you know, just like would have kicked everybody's butt, but no. She fucked herself up, you know, yeah. and that's what that's what that's the result. Yeah, and uh so um uh, all right, so now we move on uh, to uh, so what's going on in the city of Chicago today. Uh, there was a headline uh, in the Sun-Times again, to serve and protect and shelter. Problems mount as some asylum seekers sent to Chicago are forced to sleep on floors at Chicago police stations in recent week. 8,000 uh, asylum seekers who've uh, crossed the border uh, into Texas have been uh, sent to the city of Chicago since last August uh, by uh Governor Greg Abbott, I'm going to say something that's probably going to get me in a lot of trouble. Uh, but I don't think 8,000 is that much. Uh, <laughs> I just, like, <laughs> we were just talking about 50,000 Amazon workers. We were going to spend untold billions of dollars giving them <laughs> prime real estate. 50,000, no problem absorbing them. Adolfo, yeah. you get what I'm saying? This but, is a city of how many people? <laughs> what percentage is 8,000? Right? 8,000 divided by what? A million, two million people, whatever? I you know, mean, we're over two million in the city of Chicago. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. You're better at math than I were. You went to Curie. I went to Amazon High School. <laughs> All right. Uh, I forget. You're better at math than I am. But you're right. It's a fraction. Help me out here. Like, why is 8,000 such an outrageous number when it comes to asylum seekers but when it was amazon office workers we were like can you please bring us those fifty thousand? it's going to invigorate the city help me understand the difference between an asylum worker and an amazon uh asylum seeker and an amazon worker don't fall go well you know because it's it's you know it's this is the tale of two cities right it, it has been for like the last two three decades there's a good there's you know there's a city that's doing well and there's a city that's not doing well and these asylum seekers are people we don't well not we as in everybody but people in power don't fucking give a shit about they give a shit about big corporations and uh and they don't give a shit about the the, the little person this used to be an immigrant city a city that fucking welcomed immigrants with open arms because you know those people who are coming here they're going to quickly adapt. They're going to fucking find jobs and they're going to be productive citizens. They're not going to be fucking leeches or anything. But the other thing, too, is like this country used to pride itself in its logistical abilities. The Corps of Engineers, all the stuff we could just turn over stuff, build fucking bridges, do whatever we needed to do on a short term basis. I mean, well, during COVID, where's Pritzker here, man? The city of Chicago is part of Illinois. Why doesn't he come and convert fucking McCormick Place into a temporary, uh, you know, or a transitional kind of space for these uh, an Ellis Island of today where they could come in there, check them for these uh, illnesses or whatever, get them the treatment they need to get to, you know, get them deloused or, uh, you know, get the measles out of them or whatever the hell they're complaining about, like Raylo is complaining about. Come in there and then, you know, situate them. We have the ability and and the money to do all of this stuff and the will to do it, but again, undesirables, right? In terms of whoever is pulling switches, they don't give a fuck about them. So they make eight thousand over the course of what, almost a year? Eight thousand. Yeah. If this city can't absorb eight fucking thousand people coming in, what the fuck are we doing, right? I mean, if eight thousand people moved from Indiana, they'd say like, "Wow, people are moving into Chicago." Wow, we're turning it around. It's not no longer an exodus of people from the city of Chicago, but 8,000 come on a bus from Texas. Now, mind you, I'm not, you know, Governor, uh, what is it, Abbott or whatever his right, name is? Governor Abbott, yeah. Yeah, I mean, fuck him, right? But the point, my point is, is that we should be able to handle something like this so fucking easily, and instead we're looking like fucking idiots. Yeah, I... um. Yeah, I, and then we're not letting Gov uh, Governor Abbott off the hook. Uh, he's he's like um, uh, calling uh, calling Chicago out. You know, right. he's he's calling Chicago's bluff. Okay, all you liberals, and we're making them look like a fucking genius because we're fucking so inept that he's like, you see, you see, that's my point. That's why we don't want to allow them in this country in the first place. 
because we can't handle it. We can't do it. There's no place in this economy for them. Meanwhile, the demand for fucking like labor that these people would provide is super high. The 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 labor supply in this country is short because of the aging of America. And so, I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't get the point. This should be a great Republican fucking issue. They'd be like, well, yeah, we need more workers coming in here. Come on, bring them in. So we just play into Abbott's fucking hands because we're so, we're, we're, we're so stupid or inept that we make him look like a fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I agree with you on that point. Uh, a political, uh, make him look politically astute uh, for right. calling up Chicago and exposing us a hypocrisy of Chicagoans. Uh, I think you're absolutely correct. I still think uh, Abbott uh, is uh, like a colossal asshole. I mean, there's no question <laughs> that. Uh, and um, a big fraud uh, as well on many fronts. But uh, he did call Chicago's bluff, and it seems to be working because Chicago seems just to be overwhelmed by 8,000 uh, people uh, coming to the city. You're absolutely correct on that one what i don't understand ladies and gentlemen the stories uh haven't reported this is how it is that uh, asylum seekers are being sent to police stations i don't understand it doesn't explain the mechanism there like what why how many of them first of all are in the police stations who's sending them to the police stations right. who thought it was a good idea to send them uh to the police stations? sometimes i think Adolfo, when I watch what's happened since um, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, lost that first round, it's sort of like he said, you know, you rejected me, Chicago. I'm through being mayor. You be mayor for a while. You deal with this stuff. I'm right. not mayor anymore. And uh, you thought you think you're so smart electing Brandon Johnson and not reelecting <laughs> me. OK, you go deal with it. Sometimes I just think that that's like I watch. It doesn't seem like there's. A response anymore uh, from City right. Hall. It's like we're like you know in a waiting room for Brandon Johnson to take control. That's kind of my sense. What do you think? I think you're right. I thought I saw in the newspaper with her exit interview that you were talking about before the show that she said that there's no no more future for her in politics or whatever. And I think Pratt put something on uh, the Twitter saying like, "I think the voters did that, not you, honey," or something like that. You know, like. May it foreclose your future, but whatever. I mean, the point is that, and like you said, she's been laying low. And I think it's because her pride was hurt so badly that she could either do one of two things based on the, the kind of person she is. You're going to double down and just become like totally mad about it. Or she could just fucking resign herself to be like, you know, sour grapes kind of thing. Well, fuck them. You know, like you said, walk away from it. Let them deal with their shit themselves. You know, see how easy this is to do. Right. Yeah. So I think that's you're exactly right. I think that that's what she's doing. I think there's a lot of I don't know. I'll, there is no explanation as to how uh, asylum speakers ended up in police stations. All right. Uh, you mentioned yeah, not, I think Abbott goes into the, the, the bus and he puts on the GPS and he says district, whatever, Chicago Police Department. Right. I mean, I don't think that's happening. Somebody here is directing them. Absolutely. To yeah, I Absolutely. And, and it, that, that is an inappropriate site for asylum seekers to be lodging. It's just police stations weren't meant for asylum seekers. They weren't meant for any like residents. It's, it's utterly <laughs> absurd. So I'm with the police officers when they say, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And wow. again, I like to say, you know, where is Pritzker, man? This is its biggest city in the state. And where the fuck is he? He isn't doing jack shit. I'm like, dude. Even if you think it's a complete city of Chicago problem, you're the fucking governor. Step in if they're fucking up, you know, and be like, you guys can't do it. So I'm going to step in and do it. But well, I think it's his responsibility too to, to start, you know, uh, helping out with this stuff. And, and I think this is the ultimate reality. That riff you went on uh, about we should welcome them. The reality is that's you talking and me right. talking. Two guys into microphone. You don't even have a microphone. One guy into a microphone. <laughs> the other guy sitting on his couch somewhere. The Abbott called the bluff. The bluff is that Americans don't want asylum seekers for whatever reason. I think it's absurd that Americans don't want asylum seekers. I can't see. I think the benefits outweigh the negatives on asylum seekers, especially when our city's population is falling, especially when 
one day after another, I'm bombarded with stories about how this is a sign of Illinois' weakness that people are leaving. You would think they would welcome mm-hmm. them, but the reality is people don't see it the way you and I do, Adolfo. And so I right. believe that the people who run the Democratic Party are staying away from this issue because they sense it's a losing issue. And so they want to mm-hmm. they want everybody mad at Abbott for bringing the silent seekers on the bus to Chicago as opposed to welcoming them to the city. Right. Thanking Abbott. Right. Not more. Bring them on. We need we need people. Right. So do you follow what I'm saying? That's the hypocrisy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only that, but it's such a stupid misfire because the, what, what results is people are not getting mad at Abbott. Abbott's fucking thousands of miles away. No one sees his ass. They're getting mad at everybody around here. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, so it's such a blunder in so many ways. It's unbelievable that, you know, but you said like, you know what? If you want to show what what's that old saying, like if you want to show your enemies, you want to get back at your enemies, do well, succeed, you know? And if we want to get back at Abbott, then what, you know what? Take the shit that he's throwing our way and fucking showing them that we, you know, we could do it better. Uh, all right. Um, the other big. Oh, no. Before we go, you alluded to Raylo. We have to address Raylo. So uh, <laughs> Alderman Raymond Lopez, Alderman of the 15th Ward, I think Adolfo ran. Am I right? You ran against him. I ran when oh. it was an open seat. Yes. Yeah, so I ran against him and a couple other people. Yeah. And uh, Raylo was victorious. No sour grapes on what's the follow. No, 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 no. I mean, I've seen it. He was my alderman for a while and I got along with him very well. You know, so. That's right. They redistricted you. Right. So, so yeah, he was my alderman for a while. Now he's no longer my alderman, but you know, I, I had to, you know, go to his office and take care of, you know, business or whatever. And I would see him around the neighborhood or at events and stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's no truth to the rumor that during the redistricting process, uh, Raylo went up, uh, to mayor Lloyd Lightfoot pointed to Adolfo's house and said, get this mother beep out of my room. <laughs> no truth to that rumor. Okay. I just made it up. Uh, uh, so Alderman Raymond Lopez, Alderman of the 15th Ward, uh, who's been moving to the right uh, over the last few years, uh, he's feeling his inner MAGA, uh, tweeted out, uh, our Chicago police officers have enough crap to deal with on the street without having to worry about catching or bringing home any one of these contagions. Politicians squander $20 million to create a crisis they can manipulate. The sanctuary in the lake has fallen has failed asylum seekers. Uh, and then the, what is it? What do they all have in common? Uh, measles, mumps, chicken pox, bed bugs. I'm like, what's your thoughts about him? Uh, uh, well, up, I think it's, it's, it's just political, uh, you know, uh, reality for him that he has, you know, he started out, let me preface it by saying that before he became alderman, he was a committee man, right? So he spent a lot of time around the Cook County bigwigs like Berrios at the time, right? And then when he ran and he won, he was connected. He had the back, you know, people like Berrios and then out in Cicero and other suburbs, people like that. Because an individual, he, he worked at Southwest Airlines, which is a great thing or whatever, right? But it's not like he came from money or he came from a base of power or he had grassroots uh, in the community, so he needed a base in, uh, of big wig politicians. Same thing with Tabares. When she started, she was handpicked by Juan Rangel, who took her to Burke, who ran her against the Chewy people, right, and against uh, Lozano, right? And then she changed her tune once they were kind of out of power. Then she went to Madigan, and then she went to Rom, and you know now she's out on her own, and she's playing the same card. That, and she's Latina, right? She's Latina. Uh, Ray is uh, Latino, and they're both playing this conservative, Trumpist, police, blue, you know, uh, Blue Lives Matter type of thing because that's the only thing that they have left. They don't have a big wig sponsor anymore. You know, Tabaris doesn't have Burke, doesn't have uh, Juan Rangel, doesn't have Madigan, doesn't have Rom anymore. So what does she have to do? She has to tap in to whatever it is that can help her win her part of that ward. Ray is the same way. He doesn't have burials anymore. He doesn't have all these other people anymore, Ram and anybody else who's going to back him with a lot of money and power. So he has to go conservative so that these rich billionaires who love these conservative issues could start throwing money his way or funding them. I don't know if he is receiving that or not, but I mean, that's the way I would be thinking. 
team. Look at the 25th Ward. When they, uh, who did they throw against uh, uh, Byron? They threw somebody who doesn't have backing uh, or much money or whatever, but she had tons of money from the real estate interest. She had tons of money from, from the Trump conservative Republicans that were throwing the money to get rid of someone like Byron. And the same thing will happen for people, other Latinos who play conservative. They don't have a base anymore, so they'll start seeking this conservative uh, movement that can come from without with money and help establish them because it's in their best interest to have, and particularly minorities who are on their side spewing the same kind of hateful stuff that they as white people are doing. So they can say, it's not only us, it's them, you know? So it's kind of like when you said with Vallis, Vallis was surrounding himself around all these black uh, politicians. So he could say, you see, I'm not a racist. I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not a Trumpist or whatever. And it's kind of a, on a similar vein, but it's their political reality that because they don't have a machine power anymore or a mentor or, you know, that pejorative that they use that I'm not going to say it, that starts with a C, like who's your X-man, yeah. right? They don't have that anymore that they have to find an issue that they can rally around so that they can have people of power come in there and say, well, we'll take care of them or whatever. That's my theory. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that that's what's happening because they don't have a, uh, they don't have an IPO, right? These individuals, they don't have a grassroots volunteer movement and they're not rich and individually rich. They don't have, they're not like the Burks and the Mel's and all, you know, who are uh, rich individuals themselves, um, so how are you going to, cause it takes money to run for office, right? It takes money to stay in office. And, uh, that's, so I think that's the move, right? That's his, that's his move because he doesn't have any friends anywhere else that he has to make these issues so that he could, he could find, if not the money at the very least, these resentful people who will buy into all of that yeah. conservative junk. Well, I uh, no, it's a good riff, and I'm thinking about what you had to say, uh, and the the steady drift uh, to the right of many uh, uh, Hispanic politicians in this country. I'm thinking about the, the voter turnout, uh, the election results uh, in uh, Southern Texas and those border districts where Hispanic voters uh, great right. numbers went for Trump. You and I have talked about this many times. Uh, the sort of conservative impulses of uh, Mexican-American voters uh, in this country, even though Donald Trump maligned uh, Mexicans and used Mexicans like his stereotypical uh, put down of Mexicans to rally support for MAGA. Uh, and yet it, it's in a weird twisted way, he, the Republicans seem to be benefiting uh, from this. You and I have talked about this. We will talk about <laughs> this endlessly. We, it, the whole thing baffles us. But so I, I know exactly what you're saying. Just on a minor point, uh, and I owe this to you. This was your observation. Uh, Raylo, you can't have it two ways. Uh, I, if you're going to denounce uh, the, the fact that the people have these uh, diseases or uh, conditions or what have you uh, that could be are contagious, at least join the vax community, you know, at least call out the MAGA people who are anti-vax, uh, including member, many members of the Chicago police department right, right, resisted right. The, the COVID vax. So uh, just a little consistency is, uh, I don't ask for much. Uh, <laughs> by the way, do you have any new thoughts on what the Dems should do? As I've just occurred to me as we head into uh, another election year, yeah, yeah, just in terms of um, the very important uh, Hispanic vote, which seems... You mean like on a, on a national... Yes, uh, on a national basis. level, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, so this weekend I was back at Yale University, my alma mater, and uh, I was there for an alumni conference for first-generation low-income alumni. So people who either were first-generation at college and or from low-income backgrounds. And our key speaker was a fellow Yaley from the who graduated in the 80s, a guy, a financial guy who's done really well from Texas, from Corpus, I think he lived in Houston. His name is Gil Garcia. He's going to run for the mayorship of Houston. I'm even announcing it here probably before he's announced it somewhere else. Um, but I was talking to him about those conservative, you know, uh, Mexican-Americans along the, the, the Rio Grande, right? And... Um, and I told him that the first thing he should do for his campaign is he should do what Bernie did. He should he should uh, hire guys like uh, like like uh, Rocha who were 
who were going into Nevada, into Texas, into California, and doing the door-to-door knocking to get the Latino community to to square the line with someone like Bernie, a progressive, right? Or just a Democrat in general, um, because he is a Latino and he's Mexican-American. Rocha is, I'm talking about Chuck Rocha. Um, but he's smart enough to know that whatever community is in, if he's in Florida, he has to, he has to know what appeals to, to the Cuban Americans and the Colombian Americans and et cetera, the South Americans that are in Florida. If he's in Washington, DC, the central American uh, uh, constituency, if he's in California, the, uh, you know, Mexican Americans who've been there for a long time. So I think one of the things that Dems would be smart in doing, but they never do this is to look for talent within the communities where they're failing, to ask them to go in and help them to 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 get this population to vote for them. You know, I've always I've always criticized the Dems since I graduated college. I've always felt that the Democrats always were fucking snooty about who they hired. They played they they talked the big game about diversity, but at the end of the games, they only gave jobs to white Ivy Leaguers. And uh, it seems like they they play, uh, you know, they they talk a lot, a big game, but they never really. Whereas uh, Republicans, particularly in the Bush era, like with Lee Atwater and them, they might be bigoted as fuck for all I know. Right. But they will hire black people. They will hire Hispanics. They will give them jobs because if they work hard for them, they'll they'll let them move up the up the ladder. And because, it, it, you know, it's good for them image wise or whatever. And Democrats, I mean, I worked at ACLU before I went to law school. Lily White, you know, I mean, I worked at the, I worked at, I've worked at government agencies like the State Appellate Defender. My first day there, a colleague said, thought I was a, a paralegal or something, you know, instead of a, a new, a new attorney in the office. And I don't hold it against them, you know, but that kind of ignorance still kind of invades the Democratic Party because they think they're, you know, they they have this bleeding heart thing, right? Where they think that they're doing good and whatever, but deep inside they're not. They're not connecting to the real issues or whatever. So, if I had to say one thing about nationwide, I think is that they got to use the Bernie method, man. They they got to understand these communities and then go and cater to them, mm-hmm. and spend the time, and spend the money, and 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 that's the only way they're gonna turn around. You know those uh, Latino Republicans. Yeah, no, Bernie did show me some. He built built up a lot of latino support uh all right in that riff that was a great riff uh you sort of combined latinos uh and blacks uh and that will bring me to this next topic which is sports related but has (laughs) ramifications and this is another one of adolfo of mine favorite conversations (laughs) something you should know about adolfo not only is he an election lawyer not only is he a lawyer not only he run for public office not only is he a yale graduate uh, and uh, University of Chicago graduate, uh, sort of a mini constitutional law expert. Uh, he is also a die-hard boxing fan, and I got to give credit because, like, he doesn't know. He, he doesn't. It's not just his generation. Like, he took the time to learn about the '70s when he was either right. not born or, or just so small. He, <laughs> Too small, he, right? He, yeah. he up to follow him. Uh, so there was a big fight a week ago. Uh, Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Uh, Tank Davis was victorious, and nothing has changed in a fundamental <laughs> way. Uh, I, I learned this lesson back in 1980 when Roberto Duran fought Sugar Ray Leonard. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's like I couldn't find one person of Hispanic origin who was rooting for Sugar Ray Leonard, and I couldn't find <laughs> one black guy rooting for Roberto Duran. I mean, come on. At least one person, no? Just like break from the clan. You know what I mean? Just like, just go outside the box. It's same thing. Universal oh support God. among Hispanics for Garcia, uh, and then universal support among black people for Tank Davis. I'm like, come on, you guys are all Americans. Are you just all human beings? Can't you just see outside it? Nope. Don't phone. I, help me here. I need help on this one. Oh man, those grudges go deep, man. I mean, even between not only uh, Hispanic, Latinos, and Blacks, but then among Puerto Ricans and Mexicans, and so it's just it's crazy. I mean, you you know the funniest thing though was I didn't see the fight live. I saw the highlights. 
the day after, after the fact, right? And I didn't, I wasn't following that night. But on social media, I was telling you, I knew the fight was going on because immediately after, social media blew up saying, like, that was a fixed fight. Oh, my God. Ryan had to sell himself out for that. Oh, they're just going in for the money. They want the, you know, the rematch and then the rematch of the rematch. And it's so fucking cynical and jaded. They cannot accept the fucking loss. It had to be some some kind of rigging and shit, you know? It's just crazy. <laughs> that is so true. That is so <laughs> true. Like, by the way, uh, folks, Davis hit uh, Garcia with a, a punch, a body's punch. That was so hard. I felt it. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, I was like, wow, that, it, that hurt. And it not eventually knocked him to his knees. He couldn't get up. He was in pain. All right. And it's be, because it wasn't a blow to the head that literally knocked him down. He, Adolf, it, Adolfo's not kidding. It was like, oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't really, that didn't really yeah. hurt you know this is you, know, you could have took it out i think i told you that i saw somewhere that said that julio cesar chavez was like that dude had no heart meanwhile that shot was so hard it paralyzed his body with so much pain that even though he was able to go on one knee like at the seven count or something like that you can see in his face there's no way his body yeah. could have gotten up and taken another beating you know there was no way and and no way they should have allowed it to, even if he tried to, right. you know, that's the other thing. Right. No, there's such, yeah, there's so much posturing that goes on. Uh, but I don't know. Just, I don't just for the cause, uh, here's my recommendation, okay? Just for the cause of betterment of human relations. How about we just, like, have an agreement where uh, just, like, Hispanic people come together to agree to support the black boxer and black community come up to get, have a contingent to support the Hispanic. Just let's just do it for the, and white people. What are, who are the white people supporting? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? I don't know about that. White people are like, what the hell, man? There's, uh, <laughs> so I, um, they moved on. They're watching hockey. Yeah, they're watching. <laughs> yeah, they're watching. It's a good point. Uh, all right, we're gonna close. Uh, with, since White Sox. Yeah, man, what's going on with our beloved White Sox? Are awful, awful, um, awful start. They just Benny, ten in a row. Go ahead. Yeah, I bought. I I went in on season tickets like three seasons ago because I was like, wow. I unfortunately in 2005, even though I was out of law school and I was working, you know, I'm coming from a low income background. I was, I just had a job, you know, and I, I couldn't afford a White Sox tickets or season tickets. And I, I watched it all from the fucking bar or from home. So I said, okay, you know, I'm doing a little better now. Years removed. I, I'm going to go in with a buddy of mine and get some tickets. We've gone to the game, you know, you know, you've benefited from that <laughs> decision. Right. And, um, and I was like, wow, you know, we're going to be in the we're going to be in the playoffs. Then we're going to be like two, three World Series. No problem. <laughs> this team was so good on paper. And then it just all started. We we barely salvaged the first season with Tony. And uh, and it gave me a little taste of the playoffs because I actually got to go to the playoff games. At least that one the blackout night where we won, even though it was. Oh, my God. My heart was like on the verge every inning because I thought that at any point Houston could just clobber us. And uh, and then I thought, okay, well, this is a good start. We'll we'll make it to the World Series. And now, the reality has set in. At first, everyone blamed Tony. I I eventually blamed Tony. I walked out of a couple games because of how horrible it was going. What kind of horrible beatings they were getting at home. And now I'm like, okay, well, you know, we got this great new uh, young manager and we've probably gotten rid of some of the problems you know Jolito lost some weight and some some of the guys you know ta is back from his injuries and and uh these these new athletes i guess you know they, they look real good but they're just brittle they're they're not built to last I remember Ozzy again saying that, you know, he played with big boys, you know, who uh, what was the, 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 the big beer belly guy who used to hit homers uh, with the Phillies. Um, Craig Lazinski. Oh, well, yeah. Lizinski John Krug. Yeah. And John Krug, right. The guy who had the uh, cancer, the, the right came back from the testicle cancer. Right. Yes. And uh, 
so those big boys, they pounded on on beers and whatever. They weren't stretching or anything, and they 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 had great careers and pounded home runs. I mean, uh, our players look like I mean they they're studs, they're thoroughbreds, man, and they just break down running the first base. It's unbelievable. So I don't know. I don't think we're going to see a World Series. I think we have to break this team down and just start from scratch. So now it's just it's it's it wasn't Tony completely. I get it's it's Reinsdorf in that that front office. They just did a shitty job. And um, you know, your Pedro Grafal uh, was uh, they they hired him from Kansas City. He looks like he's about to lose his mind. I feel for the guy. <laughs> uh, and and I, I'm going to sound like an old man, and so I'm just going to stop it right here. Uh, the riff to pick up on the riff, uh, Adolfo was the same. It's like um, in basketball, the same thing. There's so many injuries, uh, and there's a tendency of people the older they get to th- think as though there were no injuries back in the day. And, oh, and right, right. you know, it. And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go there. I'm not gonna be that kind of old guy in a bar. <laughs> I was that guy last night uh, watching the game. <laughs> various basketball two basketball games uh but i'll tell you what the whites you you hit it on that they are so brittle every time i look at a different white sock guy can't run they we got to go easy on them we got to give the day off oh. like what, the, what happened to billy williams and ernie banks yeah. every day you know uh you know yeah i mean uh um What's the name with the Orioles? Um, um, the Iron Cal Horse. Ripken. The, Cal, Cal Ripken. Ripken. I mean, dude, what you know? I mean, and 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 some of these players, they just, I mean, they look like studs, man. I mean, some of these guys, and and they just, they can't hack it. Uh, can't hack it. Uh, anyway, our beloved White Sox are really struggling. Uh, we'll still go to the games, though, right? We'll enjoy oh, the yeah, like Stoney. I mean, like yeah. Stoney, Stoney says people always. People always boohoo Stony because he's always like enjoy the ride. Hey, it's baseball, man. It it was meant to break your heart, right? So just go and have fun when you can and whatever, right? I've totally. Uh, the older I got, the more I've changed uh, my attitude completely uh, about sports. I can do this. I think thanks to Michael Jordan. Thank you, Mr. Jordan, one more time for the six championships. <laughs> I, you know they win, they lose. I'm having fun at the game with my friends, my wife, my kids, whatever. Yeah. Go out to eat afterwards, you know. See, right, I got to go to Arturo's, right? We got to plug Arturo's. <laughs> got Arturo's, man, the chicken at Arturo's. Uh, and uh, uh, so, um, yeah, that's like, well, okay. I mean, uh, yeah. well, folks, uh, one more time. Adolfo and I go to a White Sox game. We spend the entire game talking about politics uh, <laughs> and ethnic rivalries, movies. We re- rehash The Godfather at every game. <laughs> so, you know, it's like they win, they lose. It's kind of all the same to me. Uh, all right, Adolfo, thank you so much. Adolfo Mandragon, uh, attorney at large, a specialty uh, in election law. Southwest Side Politics. You heard a couple of riffs there that were pretty, uh, pretty special. The man knows Chicago politics. Uh, thank you very much for taking time to come talk to me. No, oh, thank you, Ben. It's always fun. All right, that's Adolfo, and also thank producer Chris. Great job as always. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, every. Oh, see you at the promontory tonight. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, Maya Duke Masafa, uh, and all the woman Maria Haddon will be talking politics, politics, politics. It never stops. Uh, Seven o'clock at the promontory in Hyde Park. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, and more great content all at chicagoreader.com. Follow the Ben Jarofsky Show on Instagram at Benny J Show. And while you're there, make sure you check out his post tonight. It's First Tuesdays, the return at a new venue. So make sure you check it out. It's at the Promontory in Hyde Park. You want to get there. It's going to be a great time. All right, we'll see you tomorrow, guys.